All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after nine o'clock uh, in the city of Champions on a Tuesday morning. Uh, welcome back to the big program. Time to welcome in our Tuesday co-host, uh, the color commentary from the Coachella Valley. Firebirds. Grant Fear, the former Edmonton Oiler and Hockey Hall of Famer. Morning, Grant. How are you today? What's shaking down south? Ah, you know what? I'm doing good. Got no complaints. Yeah. Weather's finally cooling off a hair, so life's good. Well, what's the weather like in Palm Desert? Uh, I think today we're supposed to be around 95. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's cooling off. <laughs> how many uh, golf games in this weekend? Uh, I managed to squeeze a couple of days in. Ah. So we're starting to play a little bit more. Oh, that's good. Uh, text line open, one 401 Last text right to the point. Uh, when is Bill Ranford coming on? Uh, yes, Billy Ranford will be joining us at 1020 this morning. Your old uh, teammate and crease mate. Uh, when's the last time you talked to Bill Grant? Jeez, um, I probably haven't talked to Billy for probably just over a year now. Oh, wow. So you're probably excited just as much as we are to get to talking to Bill. Yeah, it's always fun talking to Billy. Yeah. I used to, when I was coaching in Phoenix, I would see him every time we played the Kings. So. Right, yeah. Um, and now he's, so he's, called, I guess, the director of uh, goaltending now for the Kings? Yeah, you get to see, oversee everything. So, so not just the coach for the Kings, so he's organizational, I guess. Yes. So, so he's he's looking after everybody now. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what's the like? I mean, you're are you more kind of on a teaching level with the the younger guys then, or how's that? How would that work? It's a little of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not you're not on the ice as much. I think that's probably the biggest difference. But then you're also going to be going to see the prospects more. You're kind of tucked into checking on everybody in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant, do, do you remember Corb Lund? Do you know? Do you remember who that is? Uh, I remember the name. Okay. Yeah. So, guy. Yeah, you betcha. So Corblund was our guest uh, just before you at 840. So he started telling a story about uh, how you were one of his favorite uh, players growing up on the Oilers. He came and sang uh, his song, uh, The Oil's Back in Town. Do you remember that song a little bit? Uh, I do, actually. There you go. So it was from the, uh, I think it was uh, when the 84-85 team was unveiled as the greatest team in NHL history. And he came on stage and he's telling this story, Grant, about how he, he was singing on stage and all you guys kind of went around him and he said, you know, he was right beside Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky, but he says, and Grant Fear looks at me and says, well, you don't see that every day. Uh, so he just wanted to kind of relay that story to you. Uh, so, but you know, that song, I mean, we're going to play a, a couple riffs of it just to, so you can remember it a little bit. Uh, Duke, have you got that kind of queued up a little bit? Yeah, so we're going to play that, just a couple riffs of it, just to kind of, you know, fresh refresh in your memory. And I we, we listened to about the first, uh, I don't know, a minute of it, but here's that song for our listeners once again. Uh, Oil's Back in Town by Corblund. Oh, there you go. Um, so, I mean, obviously, as you said, Grant, you heard that song. We just heard that last little bit, Grant, Fear Glove Save. Uh, he, uh, Corb was talking about how, um, you know, when he was putting the song together, all those little the instrumental parts where they got Rod Phillips in. How, how cool is it to listen to Rod to listen to all those calls again? Oh no, it's always fun to listen yeah. to Rod. Yeah, I and mean, I think that's that's one of the greatest things as a young guy was being able to listen to Rod. I mean, I listened to Rod when they were in the WHA. So he's also one of the first people I met in the Oiler organization mm-hmm. down at the draft, and flew back with Rod, and we got to be good friends over the years. So it's, it's always fun to hear his voice. We're going to be having Rod on, I think, 
maybe next week. Uh, Rod said he's going to come on with us uh, as soon as golf season's over. Uh, and he's, <laughs> you know, he, he's at the country club still golfing. He says he golfs on Tuesdays, but I don't know if he'd be golfing today because it's a little chillier here, but maybe the season's getting close to being over uh, for Rod. So when you when you mentioned that about driving home, uh, sorry, flying home from the draft, what was that initial kind of uh, meeting like with uh, another former Hall of Famer? Uh, you know what? We had a lot of fun. <laughs> Rod may or may not have forgotten his briefcase on the airport. That's how much fun we had coming <laughs> back. So, so he- you'll, have ask, you'll have to ask him about that one, but it was Rod, myself, uh, Lindy Ruff okay. and Randy Moeller. So why, what was it just, a, and where was the draft that year? The draft was in Montreal. Okay. So you so got, the, go ahead. The three of us went in the first round, I believe. And yeah, we were maybe a little celebrating going on in the plane on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you were you sitting beside Rod on the plane? Uh, we were, I think I sat beside Lindy. Yeah. Well, we were all in that same little area. So, yeah, we had, it was an entertaining flight back. How's that? Fair, fair. Um, so then your relationship with Rod, how did that kind of grow from, you know, after that once you got to Edmonton? Uh, you know what? Rod was always known as the voice of the Oilers, so we got to see Rod every day. He traveled with us, and it just you become good friends because you're around somebody every single day. So he was part of the team, part of the family. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 1440 Grant Fuhr is our co-host, uh, 9 to 11 every Tuesday. Uh, this comes from uh, iMac. Can you ask if Grant is still involved in Desert Dunes Golf Course? It was one of my late father's-in-law's uh, favorite courses through the 90s. I believe some of his ashes uh, were spread there. Uh, I have a great rattlesnake story from there. Uh, that and Roadrunners, beep, beep. Uh, that comes from iMac. Grant? Uh, you know what? I don't have anything to do with the golf course anymore. So yeah. we're just back in the hockey world now. So now I play a little bit more golf, but mm-hmm. I still get to hang around my first love. I get to be at the rink oh, three or four days a week sometimes, and I get to see a lot of hockey. So I'm back in the happy zone. <laughs> the happy zone. So uh, first game last uh, Friday, I guess it was, with the Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds up against the Oilers farm team, uh, Bakersfield Condors. It was a 3-2 Bakersfield win. What did you see in that game? Uh, you know what? Calvin Pickard was kind of the star of the show in that game. Okay. And I think we outplayed the Condors and had the majority of chances, but the Condors jumped on a couple of mistakes that we made around the blue lines and capitalized. And unfortunately we end up on the wrong side of a three, two victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Dreger played goal for uh, Firebirds. Yeah. Driggs played for us and was really solid for us. Made a couple of real key saves to keep us in the game when it was one, nothing. And when he got to two, nothing made a huge save early in the third period to give us a chance. We came back and tied it two two. And then we kind of gave up a late one, I think about a minute and a half left mm-hmm. to end up losing 3-2. Um, what did you see from Cal Pickard? I mean, really, when you look at the Oilers' uh, organizational depth and goal, he's probably number three. So uh, what did you see from uh, an older kind of veteran guy that's been in the minors a bit? Uh, you know what? He made a lot of really solid saves and kept them in the game. We had some really good chances in the first period where we could have jumped out to a lead, but he made a couple of big saves and we didn't do a very good job of getting traffic in front of him in the first couple of periods. So he got clean looks at things and he made all the saves he was supposed to, plus a couple he probably shouldn't have made 
but made big stops on those. In the third period, we got a little bit of traffic in front of them, made it a little harder on them. And we scored two in, I believe, a minute and six to tie the game up. And then he made a couple of big saves. They hmm. score a goal and then made a couple of saves right at the end of the game as well. Um, how would you describe his goaltending style, Cal Pickards? You know what? I thought he was really square to the puck. I thought he was really solid. He didn't commit and go down early. He stayed up and made the saves and made it tough on the shooters. And he forced the shooters to have to beat him. He didn't beat himself. Hmm. When you see how the Oilers goaltending in the first two games uh, struggled, if you want to call it that, um, what do you see, you know, and I mean, it's so early, Grant. I mean, and, you, and it's tough for, for goaltenders, as you know, to kind of get off, get on track and things like that. But when a guy's playing well in the minor leagues, does he ever look to what's happening with the big club and go, you know, if I can keep playing here, you never know. I, I, you, you look at it that way, but at the same time, two games in, I'm not worried about the Oilers goaltenders. They're yeah. both great goaltenders. And you look at what Jack's done, He's a good, solid goalie. Yeah, as he got off to the fastest starts in Edmonton, not so much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he had a great exhibition. So you see what's there. And Stu's going to be solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, your second year is always your hardest year. So it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get his footing underneath him. But once he gets comfortable and gets settled in again, realizes that the world's not on his shoulders and he just plays, he's going to be fine. Yeah. What did you see in that that first game from both goaltenders? I mean, when you get – I mean, you must, it must have been like uh, – uh, uh, looking back to your past where you didn't get a lot of whole lot of help in front of you, but what did you make of that first game in Vancouver for the Oilers goaltenders? Well, it's one of those that you don't really want to see anything. I mean, once that one's over, you just kind of throw it out the window. Yeah. But at the same time, it, playing goal in an offensive system is different. You're going to get some grade A chances, and it's a matter of making that key save at the right time. And the first game kind of got out of hand where once you get down like that, then you're just trying not to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So you take the first game and just kind of throw it out the window. The second game, would Stu have liked to have made another save somewhere along the way? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, it's still a matter of trying to get your footing. So I'm not worried about two games. Now, if it's still happening five or six games in, then you got to worry about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Fear is our co-host on uh, Tuesdays from 9 to 11 on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. Um so looking forward to tonight's game, it appears that Jack Campbell will get the start. Um, we've talked about how he's had to, yeah, as a goalie, and you you were probably the best at it. Forget about the last goal, the last whatever. How does he respond and react to tonight's start in Nashville? Well, I think you just go out and play. I mean, once you start worrying about things, that means your mind's preoccupied. So if you're worried about it, you're half a step behind already. Mm-hmm. You just need to go out, relax, and just play. And I think that's the biggest key, especially you're playing behind a very powerful offensive club. I mean, even though they haven't scored a lot in the first couple of games, their talent's offense, and you don't want to change that from them. Mm-hmm. And the key is you have to have a belief in your goalie so that you can play the style of game that you want. And I think as soon as either Jack or Stu has a solid game, everybody else will relax as well, and then they can just get back to playing hockey the way they do. And it's that confidence thing, correct? Like, I mean, just to get a little bit of that rolling, right? It's all about confidence. And confidence starts with your goalie. I mean, even if you're having a tough night, it's the optical illusion of you're not worried about it. You just play. And 
the guys feed off of that and it allows them to free themselves up. If you have an offensive team and they're forced to try and play defense, they're not in a comfortable spot. You're not in a comfortable spot. So everybody kind of looks a little disjointed. Mm -hmm. Whereas you make a couple of saves, everybody relaxes and away you go. For sure. Uh, Grant Fear is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. We're going to take a quick break here. I uh, want to get your thoughts on uh, a player returning to Nashville, Grant, Matthias Ekholm, after a long, uh, you know, you know, 13 years or whatever it was there, uh, almost 800 games with the Predators. We're going to hear some comments from him. And I want you to kind of go back in your career, Grant, and I guess uh, your first game back here would have been a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs when you came back to Edmonton, I would assume. I have to check on that. But... Um, just your thoughts on kind of returning to where you played a good portion of your career, had some some success. So we'll touch on that with Grant uh, right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Coming up to 920 in Edmonton. A uh, little aha as we're uh, joined uh, by our Tuesday co-host, Grant Fear former uh, Edmonton Oiler and Hockey Hall of Famer in Palm Desert. Uh, Grant, you remember that song by uh, Aha, Take On Me? That must have been in the dress room back in the day, No. I don't know if it was in the dressing room, but you definitely heard it around town. Well, yeah. So, was it on your uh, in your little Walkman or whatever it was back in the day? That's what we had, wasn't it? Uh, it barely a Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, for sure. Um, Oilers in Nashville tonight. Oilers uh, go in with a record of 0-2, two losses to Vancouver, uh, including the 4-3 um, decision Saturday at Rogers. Uh Nashville with a record of one and two coming in. Uh, tonight's contest, maybe the big story, uh, Grant, is the fact that Matthias Ekholm uh, returns to Nashville. First of all, uh, what are your thoughts on what Matthias Ekholm has meant to the Oilers since his arrival in Edmonton? I think he's been great in Edmonton. And it's, it was one of those pieces that the Oilers were missing. A big, steady, physical, stay-at-home defenseman. And Matthias gives them that where he's comfortable there and you can see the difference when he plays that it just, it's a calming influence in their own end. I was going to say that as a, as a goaltender, let's just say you got a face off to the left of you and you're seeing who's coming out over the bench and you see that you got a guy like Matthias Ekholm. Does that kind of go, all right, we got, we're, we're going to be okay here in goal. Uh, you know what? You're not so much looking as what your guys that are coming over. You're looking at the opposition. Okay. So as a goalie, I want to know who we're facing, and then you kind of gear things off of that. So then that's a good point here. Let's let's look at that. So uh, pending where the faceoff is, opposition's coming over. Um, what's your kind of game plan? How are you mounting that game plan shift to shift when you see the opposition come over the boards or shifting on the fly? Uh, you know what? Everybody has a couple of really good goal scorers, so you obviously pay a little more attention to them and – you take a quick peek and see what kind of a system the opposition plays the morning of the game so that you have an idea as to what they're trying to accomplish. And you'll know your guys. And I think that's the key. You know what your guys want to do and you know what they're trying to do. So as a goalie, you read off your defensemen and you read off of your forwards, how they back check, how they play in their own zone. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all about reading and reacting. Uh, for sure. Grant Fear is our co-host on uh, Tuesdays, 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. Uh, getting back to Matthias Ekholm, um, I'm sure there will be a, a wonderful reception, a wonderful uh, tribute on the scoreboard uh, before tonight's game in uh, Nashville. Do you remember your first time when you came back to Edmonton as a member of the opposing team? I'm going to go with it. It was probably with Toronto. Okay. But no, I, coming back to Edmonton for me was great. 
one, it's home. Yeah. Born and raised, grew up there. So that was fun. It, yeah, is it different when you come back the first time? It is. But at the same time, it's maybe a little more incentive to play well. Is hmm. You, you want to enjoy your time back. How's that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, when you mentioned that, Grant, we had Mark Spector on early every uh, uh, every day at 8 o'clock. Spec comes on, uh, as you know, and he was saying that a lot of the times that when players come back to their former team, they don't have a good game because, you know, there's maybe distractions or maybe there's emotions. Um, do you have kind of a, a, you know, a comment on, on that? Do you, do you recall how you played or do you recall being in the dressing room when other players were coming back to, you know, a former team, how they played? Uh, what, what, what do you recollect on that? Uh, you know, it can be a distraction. I mean, obviously if you're coming back home, you've got a lot of friends, you've got family, you've got media, you've got all sorts of different distractions. So it's a matter of how can you put that in the box and just go play? So I know some guys that have dealt with it really well and some guys get preoccupied with things. So it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's have a listen, Grant, uh, to uh, what Matthias Ekholm said yesterday about his return to Nashville tonight. So when the, uh, the schedule came out in the summer, did you look for Edmonton in Nashville? First one you looked for? Or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be special. It's... Uh, it's been a big part of my life. It's been a big part of my family's life. Both of my, well, two of, my, two of the three are born there. Um, a lot of great memories, success, failures, all that stuff. It's, uh, I think it's just the people around the rink from the guys in the parking lot, from coaches, management, um, fans, all that stuff is, is going to be really special. So kind of happy it happens early so I didn't have to kind of drag it out it's it's kind of nice to come there now and and not get some closure I feel like that's the wrong word I'm not I'm Nashville's always always going to be a part of my life and my family's life and um but to come back and and to to I mean first time I'm playing as a road team in Bridgestone Arena so yeah special day tomorrow and uh, looking forward to it how do you expect that you'll handle the emotion of that event yeah, I mean, it's, I have no idea. I've never gotten traded before. Um, so I have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm just trying to, again, lean on experience, even keel kind of thing. Just, and at the same time, let it kind of be emotional, let it be uh, special. I'm sure it's going to be a day that I'll never forget. Um, it's going to be one of those days, but uh, trying to manage it as much as, much as possible because we, we need to win as well, so um, it's it's obviously going to be uh, something that I'll have to manage myself. But I felt like my first game too was managing coming back from injury, not playing for four months, the excitement of the fans, a home opener. So it's, it's been a lot. So um, I feel like I've <laughs> I got a little taste of it at least the other night. How do you think? Are you one of those guys when you play against your former teammates and friends? Like, do you want to beat them even more, like a sibling rivalry almost? I guess I'll have to see, but as of now, I know we're not in the position we want and we need the win. So whether it's my former teammates or not, we need the win. Um, then I guess that that's going to be maybe a, a, a question that I can answer more down the road when I come back again. I know we only go there once this year, but um, for now it's two points and, and uh, we really need them. So I'm, I'm hoping we beat them, yes. So Nashville and Edmonton are pretty two different cities, two different hockey markets. Can kind of, kind of explain the contrast from your perspective? 
Well, from when I got there, um, it was the classic kind of new expansion. Didn't have much coverage. Didn't have, I mean, we didn't sell out games or anything like that. And then with success that we made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row and, and the, the fans really showed up for us. And I, I mean, today it is a great hockey city. Obviously, it's a lot different outside of the rink, whether here you, I feel like you you wake up in the morning and it's hockey and you go to bed and it's hockey. And in Nashville, there's... A lot of other stuff, whether it's college football, music, NFL, what what have you. There's a lot of other things that people value. So, it's it's a lot different, obviously, and, and just this. Like, there's a lot more media here than there was in in Nashville. So, there's there's the differences, but there's also some similarities. I think that that Nashville is a very underrated uh, hockey city, and, and and have been for a long time. You and your family appear very comfortable here. You're liking the transition. Yes, we do. I mean, it's we loved our time in Nashville. It was an adventure that I'd never take back at all. I, I feel like coming from Sweden where the climate is like it is here, to live in the south, to, to go to that climate was a challenge, but also something that we'll carry with us for, for the rest of our lives to just to, to be in that, in that kind of heat. But at the same time right now to come back where we have kids and we're going to move back to Sweden one day, it's kind of nice to, to tra- uh, transition to to more of that climate and to get them used to snow and all that because that's what we're going to have in the future. I imagine when you go back and you meet the trainers and you meet the people that you work with really closely, like, like is, are those kind of the people that you're, you're happy to see and go visit the people that were around the dressing room? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the roster as well, like their last year was a lot of, I mean, they cleaned out a lot of guys that I played with for a long time. So there's not that many left. Um, and, and, you guys know this. You've heard this from from players for years. The guys that really make your team is your trainers and your everyday personnel. That's all always there, and don't matter. Um, they're there for you and, and always support you and try to make your life as easy as possible and and make you perform at your best. And, and I mean everything from equipment managers to strength and conditioning coaches to medical staff and. And, the, and everybody, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure it's going to bring back a lot of memories, but obviously that's, those are the kind of people you look forward to meeting as well. That's uh, Edmonton Oilers defenseman Matthias Ekholm as he returns back to Nashville tonight. So Grant, uh, when you listen to those comments, I mean, it's funny how the guys always say, you know, they talk about the trainers and the support staff and man, I mean, that that's such a relationship that that bond is built. Um, just a comment on that if you can. Oh, no question. I mean, people don't realize how close you get with the trainers, your equipment guys, the guys around the room. I mean, they're a huge part of your everyday life. I mean, for us, we we were pretty fortunate having Staffy and mm-hmm. Kenny Lowe and having Joey around, Spark. So, yeah, you, you look forward to seeing those guys. So when you do go back, even if you're on the visiting team, you try and find those guys so you can say hi and catch up a little bit. It's kind of weird when, you, when you're down at the rink and you see, and it doesn't even matter. You don't even have to be gone that long or you didn't even have to play that long in one, one team. It, you're right. You, you always seem to hunt those. You see the guys on the opposition or you see guys, you know, come in here. Or you see, you know, maybe it's a former Oiler going to another game. And they, that's the, one of the first things that they do. 
And as you said, it's just that that bond that is built between um, the, the the athletic, uh, the support staff, and and the the people that you're there with it on a daily basis. It's it's just a remarkable uh, bond that never gets uh, broken. Uh, we're gonna have a, one of these. Uh, it's gonna be in the next couple of weeks. But could you imagine in the studio here, Grant? We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Barry Stafford. We're gonna have uh, Sparky Kolchiski, and we're gonna have Dwayne Mandruziak. All three of them in the studio here. Um, what do you think the conversation would be like there? That could be a pretty entertaining because they've all been around forever. So I mean, Spark predates me. Mm-hmm. Staffy came in, oh, probably my second or third year. I spent actually spent a summer at Staffy's house in Banff training with him for a little bit. Yeah. So, and Dwayne, you see around all the time. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I thought Dwayne would be with the Eskimos forever. So it's one of those things that, you love being around those guys and they have that affection, kind of an infectious feeling about them where you enjoy being around them. You enjoy your time with them. Yeah. You're, you're, you can't be closer to the truth on this one. And I mean, when you say about Dwayne being with the green and gold uh, for forever, since he left, uh, since he was uh, dismissed, uh, uh, banished (laughs) from the team, they haven't done anything, you know, so. I think they've won four games. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a lot, eh? And whatever, four years or whatever it is. But uh, it's a, it's unfortunate. But I, I'm looking forward to that conversation with the three of them. I think if I'm uh, adding them up correctly, I think there could be 21 championship rings uh, between the three of them or 22, something like that, which is there, simply. There'd be, a lot. there'd be a lot. Oh, I mean, that's the time to come in here. I mean, you got there's more bling in the studio than they'll ever have. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's that's the great part about it is they've all been around championships. They all understand what it takes, and they make sure the players are comfortable. Whether you're a first year guy, whether you're in your twentieth year, they make your life so much easier. And it, people don't realize the hours that they spend. Mm-hmm. I mean, these players are pretty fortunate. You roll in a couple hours before practice. You spend a couple hours after practice, or until they chase you out. But they're there all the time, I and mean, they kind of live, breathe, and die at the stadium or the rink. Um, how much did uh, guys like Barry Stafford and, and Sparky Kolchitsky have to deal with? Uh, were you a big equipment guy? Did you need a lot of tweaks, or how did that work? No, I was pretty an out-of-the-box guy. Yeah. If it showed up, it was new and it looked good, I wanted to throw it yeah. on. So, But no, if Staffy needed repairs, Staffy was all about it. If you needed something, Spark knew where to find it. So they were a big part of what made us good. Mm-hmm. Um, when, well, we're, to, we're just changing our, our gears here. We're going to have Tyler Yeremchuk on, pardon me, from Oilers Nation at 940 with his grant. We were going to have Bob Nightingale uh, from uh, USA Today. He can't make it right now. So Tyler Yeremchuk uh, from Oilers Nation. Uh, did You You must have played with or against some Yeremchuks back in the day, right? I played against some. Yeah, it would be Kenny. That's what I played against. played against Gary. Yeah. Um played against brad so yeah, a few a few of them yeah i mean that that name in edmonton it's like smith isn't it <laughs> it is definitely uh, so, and it's always interesting to follow oilers nation yeah well it is i, Go I ahead. get a kick out of following them on facebook and twitter a little bit and there's over the course of the year there's got to be a few sprained ankles <laughs> you're exactly right from jumping on and off the bandwagon correct Correct. Yes. 
when we come back, we will check in with Tyler Yaremchuk from Oilers Nation. That's the Kevin Carey Show with co-host Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, hey, let's elevate our game right now by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com. Kevin Carries, along with Grant Fuhr, our Tuesday uh, co-host from, um, well, Palm Desert. And uh, we welcome in Tyler Yaremchuk from Oilers Nation. And if there's anyone that elevates his game, it's Tyler Yaremchuk from Oilers Nation on a daily basis. Uh, morning, T.Y., how's it going? <laughs> I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you on. Um, Grant was just saying about all the Yaremchuks that he played against uh, over the course of the years, uh, that he grew up in uh, you know, in our city and uh, surrounding area and things like that. What about your little background in hockey? Touch on that. Well, I was never any good at playing it, so I realized at a young age that if I wanted to have any sort of a life in hockey or sports, I probably had to do something uh, a little more nerdier. So that's kind of where my obsession with stats and whatnot grew mm-hmm. from. So yeah, I never played at a high level. Um, I know Ken and Gary Remchuk are like my dad's cousins or my dad's second cousins. They played in the NHL, yeah. but uh, the gene pool, the gene <laughs> didn't fall my way in that sense. So I've been a media boy since I was 18. Yeah, uh, Grant, you were saying about the, all the broken ankles on Oilers Nation. Uh, can you uh, touch on that with uh, Tyler? Yeah, I get a kick out of Facebook and Twitter and following just to see what people have to say. I mean, I'm still a diehard Oilers fan, so I find it entertaining. Tyler, how do you navigate that, I guess, uh, being part of the nation and you see the the passion of the fans, uh, you know, it's not even on a game-to-game basis anymore. It's on a shift-to-shift basis. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, people will be freaking out about line combos and things like that. But I think that's maybe, you know, why Oilers Nation as a company has had the success it has is because at the end of the day, we're all kind of fans. We can cover the team objectively. And that's kind of the new age media way when you look around different sports and the success of different companies in media. Like, you don't necessarily have to do the objective third party anymore. You can sit there and and do a show like I do and say, hey, I want the Oilers to win. I am an Oilers fan. But if they play bad, I'll call them out. And I think fans really appreciate that perspective, that when they sit down to watch a show or when they go to open up Oilers Nation, a lot of the times they're reading the thoughts and the viewpoints of another fan. So I, I really think that's kind of the way things have been going. You look at, you know, Barstool down south, even mm-hmm. something like someone like Steve Dangle, right? That dude got ultra famous and is ultra popular, and he's just a diehard Leafs fan. <laughs> yeah, doing commercials. I mean, what he's, he's taking it a long way for sure. Uh, I talk about elevating your game, uh, none more so than Leon Dreisaitl against the Nashville Predators, 22 goals, 13 assists uh, in his uh career against the Predators. Uh, Tyler, I'll ask you this, and then Grant, if you can pony it on Tyler's response, um, why do you think he's had such great success against Nashville? And a lot of these stats are just in the last dozen games or so. Yeah, in his last, I was just doing some research for my show today, in his last six games, he has eight goals and eight assists. That is absolutely bananas. Um, And it honestly doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, if he was doing this against the Coyotes or the Ducks or the Sharks or some name whatever rebuilding team you want to name, then it would make a little bit more sense. He's doing it against a team that for the past number of years has had Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Ryan McDonough, a handful of really, really good defensive defensemen, 
and UC Soros, one of the consensus best goalies in the NHL between the pipes, and somehow Leon Dreisaitl just tortures them over and over and over and over again. It's ridiculous. I don't know why, because on matchup this should be a dip, or on paper this should be a difficult matchup for goal scorers, but it just speaks to how elite Dreisaitl is. Grant, no, I got to agree with Tyler on that. I mean, that's that's a team that on paper you should never really own. But for some reason, Leon has their number and just seems to get into the right spots where he's found a soft spot in the way they play defense and he's taken full advantage of it. Now, the other aspect here is that you'd think, okay, maybe a lot of these goals are power play goals. Well, that's not necessarily uh, the case. There are some power play goals for sure, but he's also in the last... Uh, well, in the minus, uh, if you take away the last game where he was minus two, he's plus two, plus one, plus two, even, plus two, plus four, plus one. So, Tyler, he's doing a lot of this damage at even strength as well. Yeah, in uh, in the last four seasons against the Predators, I just pulled up the numbers. Not, uh, nine games, 26 points, 15 of them coming in even strength. I mean, he has seven even strength goals in his last nine games against the Predators. Oh, getting pretty close to that goal a game mark. So, yeah, you're right. I know he gets ripped on a lot for being the power play merchant by other fan bases and people who maybe don't watch this team on a daily basis. But I've always chuckled at that because, I mean, Alex Ovechkin is on the cusp of taking over Wayne Gretzky in the next couple of years. And that dude is revered. Everyone loves it. They're like, oh, look at Ovi in his spot. It's so elite. Well, Dreisaitl has his spot down at the bottom of the circles there. And when he piles up goals from that spot, it feels like people never want to give him any credit or respect. They always just go, ah, gets to play on the power play with McDavid. Doesn't count as much. But when Ovi does it, it's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. greatest goal scorer of all time. Hey, Grant, what do you think of that spot that Dreisaitl has on the power play? Because Ovechkin's is way higher, probably 12, 14 feet higher than where Dreisaitl sets up shop. Uh, what do you think about that sharp angle that Dreisaitl looks at on that power play? Uh, you know, it's a bigger movement for a goalie having to get all the way across there. Okay. But if you look at Ovi and you look at Leon, they both sit on their opposite wing. So you can creep down a little bit lower. It still gives you a lot of net to shoot at, and you're forcing a goalie to have to move more. And Leon's pretty good at either shooting it right at the goalie or going short side. So... He keeps goalies where if you make too big a movement, he takes advantage of you. If you don't make a big enough movement, he takes advantage of you. So he's, he's found himself a nice little spot where teams don't think they have to defend that spot. And if you look at Ovi, Ovi gets high enough. Mm-hmm. Teams think, well, he's far enough out that he's not really a threat. Well, it's turned out he's a pretty good threat from there. As a goalie, Grant, does the puck come off the stick different from a guy that like Dreisaitl who uses the big paddle compared to Ovechkin? Uh, some guys shoot it quick. Some guys have heavy shots. Leon's looks like it's kind of a heavy shot where even if you get a piece of it, it seems to roll off of you into the net. Ovi's kind of the same way where he shoots it through you. So those two, a guy like Brett Hall just seems to find spaces where the release was quick and it jumped on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas they seem like they've got a little bit of a heavier shot. Uh, Tyler Yaramchuk is our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carius, Grant Fear with you on a Tuesday morning. Uh, Tyler, the Oilers made maybe a few little roster shuffles as far as the lines go uh, for tonight's game. We'll see if it stays intact. What do you make of it if it does indeed? Uh, So, yeah, Jay Woodcroft's third game of the year going back (laughs) to the nuclear option with McDavid and Dreisaitl. He's breaking up the third line of Holloway, McLeod, and Fogle, which I don't like. I thought those three had a couple of really solid games. 
statistically, analytically, they were driving play really, really well. I would have liked to see that trio on the third line stay together. And I think it's too early to be going to the McDavid dry cycle thing. I just, I think it just weakens up that second line. I don't trust the trio of new Hyman and Fogel to drive offense. I think you need to keep McDavid and Drysaddle separate for the long run. I'm a fan of you know, maybe after an icing, if the other team's gassed, throw them over the boards together. You're down by one late in the third. Throw them over the boards together. I don't like how Jay Woodcroft is always so quick. As soon as they're down by two goals, boom, McDavid and Drysaddle are together for the rest of the game. I don't like that approach. I think the Oilers are better in the long run with them separate, so I'm not a fan of what he's doing. But it's hard to blame a coach for for wanting to make some changes after having to stand behind the bench and watch what he just watched the last six periods. That's Tyler Uremchuk. I'm going to kind of pose that to you, Grant. Where do you kind of stand on mixing lines up very quickly and kind of going back to, as Tyler calls it, the nuclear option, uh, more of a full-time basis to start the game with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl? Yeah, I get what Jay's trying to do with it. I mean, you're you're looking to create offense. Well, you've got your two best offensive players, so you're obviously going to load up with them. But I'm also of the same theory that you'd like to keep the scoring spread out. I mean, I think if you put your best options on one line, it's a lot easier to check one line than it is to check two lines. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're playing a squad like Nashville that's usually pretty good defensively, is it makes their job a little bit easier where you've got all the guns in one basket. I kind of call it um, game script, similar to what the you, you hear in the NFL when a team gets up on another team and you look at the, the star running back doesn't get it, the, the touches and the carries as much as possible uh, because you're kind of playing from behind and that's what the Oilers have been doing. And because of the power plays that they've had, and that's where I'm going to ask you, Tyler, the five on three that probably could have turned the game around on Saturday night. They had 52 seconds of a five on three. Um, what do you make of, well, basically we've seen three or four complete two-minute power plays by that number one unit. Does that make sense? You're the stats guy. You're the analytics guy. Is that a, is that correct to have three full two-minute power plays so far? Uh, I, it's close, I, isn't it? It's the, Yeah, it's close. I Here's the thing with their power play, and sometimes I, I chuckle when I see the fan base kind of get frustrated with it, is like last year it was, again, by power play percentage, the best power play in NHL history. And it was, you know, in the high 30s. I forget the number off the top of my head. 32.4. There you go, (laughs) 32.4. It still only scores one-third of the time. And then sometimes you'll go through a game where they go one for four, and people are like, oh, the power play, disappointing. It's supposed to be like your hack, your magic thing to get goals. It's like it only scores one every three. So, like, to start the year, I haven't been upset with the power play at all. It's at, like, 27 point whatever percent like yeah they'll go on a heater for a week where it's 50 percent, and that'll always be what boosts up their average i get a chuckle out of people saying play the second unit more because i personally don't really see a reason for it you have the best power play unit in nhl history throw those guys over the boards if they want the full two minutes go ahead this isn't peewee hockey tom thumb hockey where you're worried about everybody's feelings and if everyone's going to get fair ice time on the power play Everyone on the bench knows their best chance to score is to have 97, 29, and 93 out there. So roll them. I like it. Hey, Tyler, I know you got to get uh, going here because you got another show here at 9.50, so we're going to cut you loose. Thanks for coming on on quick notice, and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, buddy. Okay, guys, anytime. All right, that's Tyler Yeremchuk from uh, Oilers Nation. So, Grant, when you when you hear that like, and you, you, you see the two-minute power play for guys – what's your comment on that? Do you, does it take the rest of the guys 
you know, your fourth line, third line. I mean, we saw five minutes on the fourth line on Saturday night. What, what do you see in there from an outsider looking in? Well, I think your third and fourth line know that they're not going to get as much ice time. I mean, obviously your stars are going to get your power play time. I mean, I know back in our time, Wayne and Yari killed penalties as well. Mm-hmm. So you knew they were going to get their 22, 23 minutes. And it's something you have to accept and something a lot of guys excel at because they understand what their point is. And everybody has a job to do on a team. And the successful teams, everybody gets it. Everybody's on the same page. And the goal is not to be the weak link. Mm-hmm. And it only takes one weak link for a fence to break. So you need everybody on the same page where they understand the role. They understand the ice time they're going to get. And they give 100% when they do get that time. Grant Fear is with us on Sports 1449 to 11 every Tuesday. Uh, just for all our texters that are wondering when Billy Ranford's coming on, that'll be on about uh, a quarter after 20 after. We might even bring Bill in a couple minutes early just to have some extra time uh, with him. Uh, Duke, I'm a little confused right now. Do you want to go to break? Are we going to break? Or do you want to, do we got a couple minutes here yet? Or what do we got? A few minutes here oh, to, okay, to, man. to keep, keep elevating your uh, game with Grant here. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you can feel it, Grant, but we had, we had technical problems here in the studio. Uh, we had a couple guests switch gears on us. Uh, so we kind of been going by the seat of our pants tonight. The Duke, I was call, earlier. I was telling our, our listeners that the Duke had the pork sausage fingers going on the on the board. There were buttons flying everywhere. So it's one of those days. But thankfully, we got Grant Fear, Hockey Hall of Famer, with us. Uh, so the, uh, one other question I wanted to ask on that power play, Grant, um, yeah. is so. And you mentioned the different angles. Is it so? You you say it's harder for a goaltender to match up. Uh, with Leon because he's down low, uh, despite even the, the shot that Ovechkin has. Can you kind of expand on that dynamic there? It's just a different movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, Edmonton likes to work the puck from far side to Leon, so you've got a bigger movement to get down to that lower spot than if it guy's in the high off to the angle. It's not quite as big a movement. You've got an extra tenth of a second to get there. Okay. But it's also a matter of realizing that they're going to be there regardless. So if you read it properly, you can almost cheat half a step. And part of that is just a, it's the read and react. I mean, if, if I know a certain guy's on a power play where he likes to shoot from, and I know that that's where they want to go, when a puck gets to a certain area, you realize it's going to that area. So you may take that extra peek over there just to see. Would you, I mean, when, when Leon has the one-timer, um, are you totally expecting him to try and commit to going short side on you if you're going right to left? No, he's he's an equal opportunist. He'll go okay. short side. He'll go far side. He'll try and shoot it through you because you know you have to make a big movement to get to him. Mm-hmm. So he's he spreads it around pretty good. And then, so go back to a guy like Ovechkin. So if he's higher than that angle, he's got more net to shoot out, shoot at, obviously. So are you kind of thinking again, is he kind of going to go up high on me? Or what, what What are you thinking there? Well, you get a chance to move. When you move across, you can take an extra step out. Okay. So that you can cut down that angle a little bit. It's the same thing. You're taking away his space and forcing him to make the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. And what he catches you, he catches you making that big movement where you open up space and he hits it. Um, if you were playing today, who would you least likely, um, least likely, not likely, like not like to face? <laughs> um, you know what? 
I enjoyed facing all the best shooters. I think yeah. that was the fun part. That way, when you stopped them, you felt pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Grant, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, I don't even know if we have a guest at the top of the hour, but I do knew, know that we have Bill Radford coming up at about quarter after, 20 after. Uh, that was Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. And for sure, Leon Dreisaitl with 22 goals, 13 assists uh, in 23 games against the Predators in his career has elevated his game. Uh, when we come back, much more with Grant Fear and Bill Ranford coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Before we uh, pump the brakes and check that out at the top of the hour, here's a sports update with the Duke.